Welcome to the latest episode of the Odds On Podcast, your home of football and sports betting. My name's Dan Tracy, and for the next 45 minutes, I'm joined by two top guests as we dissect all the numbers, look for the value, and find those long shots before this weekend's football action. As I say, it's not just me on the show today, so before we start waxing lyrical about wagers, let's get the introductions out of the way. First up, I'm joined by James Caps. James, it's a pleasure to have you on the show again. How have you been since our summer break? Yes, uh, it's been a busy one. I've accumulated a nice uh, collection of various uh, different shades of pink on my uh, sunburn odyssey. I'm just hoping you don't subject me to 42 laps of a football pitch like uh, Antonio Conte did to his Spurs side this week. So if you don't do that, we'll get along just fine. I promise I won't. We're just going to ease off the ring rust in this episode. It's not going to be too taxing, I promise you that. While last and certainly not least is Jamie Brown. Jamie, how have you been since we handed out our Premier League awards in our last episode? Yeah, all good. Thank you, Dan. And um, yeah, of course, from a Spurs perspective, it's been uh, a really exciting summer. Obviously, lots of signings and then uh, look, Spurs back in the Champions League. So, of course, today's show all about the Champions League. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to kind of discussing it all. Absolutely. Right. That's all the intros out of the way. So let's get down to business. And of course, before we start, wherever you bet, check first with freebets.com, your best place for offers, tips and insights. And from a social media point of view, if you're placing any bets this weekend, let us know via the Odds On podcast hashtag, and who knows, we may be discussing your winners on next week's show. Okay, where should we start first? Well, on this week's episode, we're going to start our own pre-season training and look ahead to next season's Champions League, and to start with one club in particular. Because with Manchester City falling short again last season, they've gone all out in their pursuit of Erling Haaland. And James, I guess the question that needs to be asked is whether the Norwegian will finally get Pep over the European line. I mean, for what it's worth, I think City could and probably should have at least got to the Champions League final last season. As much as they threw away their lead at Real Madrid in the semis, they were pretty unlucky at times. Although, that said, Erling Haaland could well have been useful in putting that game out of Madrid's reach back in April. He's been brought in to make a difference in those big games. I don't think he's particularly needed for Fulham and Nottingham Forest at home, but City have grown accustomed to not playing with a recognised number nine, so it may well take the collective a bit of time to adapt to Haaland's presence. Whether the net return of that is positive or negative, I certainly don't think the answer to that is as cut and dry as people may think. Well, Jamie, obviously, when it comes to Manchester City, they have fallen short on every occasion that they've had in the past decade when it comes to the European front. So, with that in mind, why do you think those conquests have always eluded them to date. Yeah, I mean, look, the Champions League's a, a very interesting competition in terms of the best team doesn't always seem to win it. Most of the time, it's all often about, you know, getting through those rounds and, you know, tactically, who's the best side? And of course, with City, we always know that they are the best, you know, they are always going into the competitions as the best side. But, you know, maybe there's been some elements where just tactically they have got it wrong. And, and if you look at some of the moments they've had when they have been eliminated, it's kind of been these moments of madness which have seen them knocked out. I mean, in 2017, they conceded two goals in a short space of time against Monaco and were eliminated at the last 16 stage. In 2018, they conceded three goals in 90 minutes versus Liverpool in the quarterfinals and, of course, saw them knocked out. In 2019, they conceded twice in a short space of time uh, in just three minutes against Tottenham and they were eliminated. And then in 2020, we saw them two goals against Lyon in eight minutes 
And then, of course, as we saw last season with Real Madrid, two goals in two minutes right late on. So, you know, it kind of Pep Guardiola, he's got, he's got to kind of change his ways in terms of um, knowing how to get through these rounds and maybe seeing out these matches. I mean, it's obviously me telling him that it sounds a bit ridiculous, but, you know, the, the, the stats where they've had these, uh, you know, lapses in concentration or maybe they've made... Because I remember against Real Madrid, they obviously made a number of substitutions where almost, you know, they were kind of closing out the game. Um, and that's where it seemed to kind of cost them. So it's it's really trying to be, you know, stay in focus for the whole 90 minutes. And that, that just seems to have been a problem for them. So, you know, that, that in itself has got something has got to change there because they've got these moments in them where they just seem to throw it away um, in such a short space of time. So that's something that they have got to get right this season. Now, James, with Holland now being added to City's attacking ranks, how exactly does he improve the starting eleven? Because let's not forget, they still won the Premier League last season without a fully recognised centre-forward. Well, he's a, he's a multifaceted striker, isn't he? He's one that offers flexibility if City needs to adopt a plan B at any given moment. He's a very quick and powerful player, one who can bully defenders. He's very good with his back to goal as well. So that should complement the likes of Phil Foden, Riyad Mahrez, who want to play off Haaland. And he's great on the counter too. Loves running in behind and finishing things off on the break. So in the rare instances where City will be forced to defend, he'll come in handy there too. Now, Jamie, I guess one thing to consider in all of this is that Haaland does not have the best injury record. Obviously, the risk will be mitigated if he scores plenty of goals in Europe. But is this something that City will need to be wary of? Yeah, I think this is quite an interesting debate whether, you know, Harlan, he does kind of have this this bad injury record. I think that the season before um, last, his injury record wasn't too, you know, wasn't too bad and maybe didn't suggest that he is injury prone as, as such. But obviously, as we, in the last season, it was quite bad for him. He missed 17 matches due to injuries, um, obviously on three separate occasions. And the big problem with these injuries is they were muscular ones. So they're ones that definitely can reoccur. And of course, you know, when you come back from a muscular injury, obviously other parts of the body have to overcompensate. And, and, and in that sense, they can get, you know, other injuries can happen. So, And of course, during the season, when, when you've got that run of injuries and um, it can be very difficult to kind of get out of it. So I'm interested to see kind of, you know, with a full pre-season, having had a chance to fully rest and recover, it'll be interesting to see, can he get out of that cycle now? Um, so, of course, you know, and then, you know, next season we'll be able to actually judge whether he is injury prone because if they keep re- reoccurring, then obviously that will be the case. But again, you know, he's only 21 as well. So, you know, he's, he's still kind of developing towards his uh, peak physical levels as well. So, you know, again, he's you know he's still a very young guy, so um, he's got a lot of developing still to do. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how he does get on with, on the injury front next season. But I, I think last season was probably just a bit unfortunate with with some of the injuries, not having a real chance to recover from them. So um, I, I, I don't think it's I think it's a bit harsh to suggest that he is injury prone. But it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Now, James, one of the big criticisms that City have, I guess, on the continent is that they fail to have a plan B, especially when they go behind. So is that criticism fair? And if so, is the plan B now for the Norwegian to simply batter down the opposition? Uh, I don't think it's hugely fair. Pundits will wax lyrical about just how good their plan A is. And the fact is that not many of the elite sides in European football have these plan Bs that detract too much from their bread and butter style. As I touched on at the top of the pod, I think if things were slightly different, we'd be looking at City as defending Champions League holders this year. With Guardiola getting so close to the final, playing his way, I don't think he's going to be making any major stylistic changes ahead of the new campaign. And as far as Haaland's concerned, it'd be up to him to adapt to City more than the other way around, I think. He's certainly 
compliments what they have. But when you get to the top table teams in this game, the impact of new signings is sometimes limited. And while I do think he'll score goals, I actually don't see him vastly improving the side as a whole. Well, Jamie, there's no doubt that Erling Haaland has an incredible amount of pedigree when it comes to the Champions League. So there's no real concern about integration or adapting to a top tier of competition, especially as he has already scored 23 goals in just 19 appearances. For you, is he the real deal? Yeah, do you know what? I totally echo James's thoughts there in terms of he is a player who is going to have to come to City and have to adapt to Pep Guardiola's methods. And I look at City's team and kind of the way that they set up with maybe a false nine and, and they've not set up with a recognised forward. I don't necessarily, I don't buy that Haaland will come into that team and, and, and really make them a lot better, that they needed a number nine. I think their system does work very well without a number nine and I don't think it genuinely needs that. So um, it'll be interesting to kind of see the impact he has I really don't believe, of course, with everyone saying they're going to run away with the Champions League, they're going to run, run away with the Premier League. Now they've got one of the best strikers in Europe. I, I don't think that Guardiola is going to fit a player like that into his, you know, into his system and, and kind of build around Haaland. So, as James said, we're going to have to see kind of how he does adapt to that that City style of play. Of course, a, a good example of that was, was Jack Grealish. They paid £100 million for him. Now, for me, I think Grealish is a player that works best when he's, you know, he's allowed to go and have that freedom. And of course, with Guardiola's system, you don't have that freedom. So a guy that, yes, was an amazing player, but just didn't fit into Guardiola's system. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see how, how Haaland does fit in there. But yeah, I, I think as well with, with City, they're a team that just have so many goals in them anyway. So I don't think Haaland will be a guy who's going to score an emphatic amount of goals because I just think you're going to see so many goals shared around that team anyway. Um, the other point as well, We've seen Sergio Aguero in a, in a Pep Guardiola side and, and that didn't get them over the line. So, again, I just don't necessarily buy that having a genuine number nine, having one of the best number nines of the world is, is going to make them that dominant team. Um, and, and they've made so many changes this year as well. I think Sterling, I, I, I really like Sterling and I think he is an important part of City. So to lose him, they're obviously going to have made a number of changes this, this season. So that would be interesting. We, of course, saw the huge psychological blow of another disappointment in Europe as well. So it would be interesting to see how they, they kind of bounce back from that. So 11-4 to 4 at the moment, I'm, I'm not sure. I'd kind of be desperate to back them. But the big thing is I look around the board at the moment in terms of other teams. And, and for me, there just aren't many standout teams as ones that you'd say they're definitely going to win it. I just don't see a lot of strong teams. City, for me, are the strongest team. But again, it's whether they can get through the rounds. We've seen them on multiple occasions be that strongest team. And they've just, they, you know, they always seem to fall short. So I'm intrigued. I really am intrigued to see how they get on this season. But uh I probably would put them as favourites just because they are so strong. And as I said, there's no standout candidates at the moment. But uh, the way that they have been over the last couple of years, as I mentioned earlier, with, with so many kind of um, with the times they've blown up, it'd be, uh, I, I'd, I'm certainly not backing them yet. James, if Holland is the real deal, let's look at the odds involved. Jamie just mentioned them. 11-4 to 4 at the moment for City to win the Champions League outright in 2023. A price that does make them favourites, but would you make them favourites as well? Yeah, I probably would. You look at the chase packs, Jamie said, there'll always be doubts about PSG until they actually go all the way and win it. Like so Liverpool and Bayern Munich are next up in the betting and both sides will be weaker than last season if certain transfer rumours are to be believed in Bavaria at least. And further down, there's not really that much inspiration for me, even with Real Madrid at 12. So City firmly in the driving seat, I think. Jamie, as you mentioned, they're favourites. Now, they've been favourites quite often in the last, even, what, five years. 
But there's always a bit of buyer's remorse that people back City, they fall short. So are people going to come unstuck this time around? Uh, possibly, I, th- I just again, I, I think it comes down to maybe the competition and and, and a lack of it really. Um, I, I just don't see. I don't think Liverpool will be quite as strong next season. Uh, again, you know, as James said, I don't know. You know, big question marks of a Paris Saint Germain, and of course, just in, in particular with PSG. You know, they just seem to be a side that haven't really clicked. They've gone for an interesting appointment as well. So you know, there's there's a lack of competition there. Bayern, they look like a team that I might have looked to a back, but they're going to lose Lewandowski. And as I'm sure we'll get onto later on, I, I just think that that's going to be such a big blow for them. So just in terms of the competition, I think City have to look at it this year and and they've got to use their quality to, to really get over the line. But it's just so important. It's just so difficult to, to back them because, as I, as I keep saying, they've, they've been favourites so many occasions, but they just seem to not know how to get over the line in, in this competition. So... Um, it, it's going to be very difficult. And as I mentioned, the, the psychological side of, of having been knocked out the way they were last season, I think will, will be really, really quite damning for them. So um, it, it's very, very difficult to call at the moment who's going to win this competition because I said there's no real standout for me at the moment. I guess a lot depends on the draw, not just the group stages, but then the pairings in the round of 16, for example. So if you are going to bet early on the Champions League, it is a bit of a leap of faith, but that's where the value is because the more you go into the tournament... That's when the price is shortened. So City certainly making a good case for themselves. And of course, James, it's not all about Erlen Haaland because they've also signed Calvin Phillips at the Etihad. Will his arrival in the midfield be just as important when launching a European skirmish next season? Uh, I don't think so. I don't see it as a statement signing as far as Champions League aspirations go. I think he's a OK player, but I don't believe he's anything to get particularly excited about. And Rodri would still be my number one choice quite comfortably for that deep line pivot role in the City midfield. It does provide depth, though, after the departure of Fernandinho, but I think he'll be a rotation player for the easier Premier League games and games on the back of those Champions League outings. Well, Jamie, as James just mentioned, obviously Fernandinho has moved on and Calvin Phillips has been earmarked as his replacement. With that said, we spoke very highly about City's midfield in the previous episode, so can the now former Leeds player consider himself a member of the starting eleven? Um, yeah, I'd, 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 again, I'm going to go James on this one and say most certainly not. I think with Rodri, you've got arguably the best defensive midfielder in the world at the moment. And he was unbelievable last season. I'm almost certain I put him into my uh, Premier League team of the season last year as well. So yeah, I mean, that shows you how highly I do rate him. Um, and then, of course, you've got De Bruyne and, and Bernardo Silva in that team as well. So there's there's no place in that midfield for, for Calvin Phillips. I think for him, it's obviously an exciting move. And for City, it, it is brilliant cover. But uh, I, th- I think at best, he's going to be a backup. And I think the big thing as well for, for City, you know, again, it's, it's, it's more squad depth than, you know, having that ability to be able to rotate in, in the Premier League and the, and the Champions League, I think will be really important for them. So I think, I think it's a great sign. I think it's a good sign for City. Um, but for, I think on a, on a personal level for Calvin Phillips, I don't think he's going to be featuring too much in, in those important matches. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right in the sense that Phillips, from a keeping hold of the Premier League point of view, is a very smart signing because... The way that City are being built now, it's almost you could take City A and City B and City B would probably still have a really good crack at winning the Premier League. And that kind of feeds into the European machine where if you are facing Fulham at home, Forest at home, sorry fans if you're listening, but you know what I mean, then you can play a Calvin Phillips, you can play a Julian Alvarez when needed and it rests up the bigger names for those European nights. So you can sort of see where Pep Guardiola is going in this. It's something that Jose Mourinho used to do at Chelsea 
although he didn't win the Champions League, but again, it's kind of having a player for every position, that depth, then you rule the roost back home and have a better chance of winning in Europe. Then again, Haaland isn't City's only attacking addition this summer, as Julian Alvarez has also finally linked up with the club after his January transfer. For those who don't know James, how important will his addition be at the Etihad? Uh, well, based on eight minutes of YouTube videos I watched <laughs> in the podcast, he certainly gives City a bit more variety in the types of goals that Manchester City strikers tend to score. He can score from distance, he's a good finisher inside the box, and he's also not afraid to keep hold of the ball and run at players. So he very much fits the City mould, and a lot of people are telling me he's the real deal, and he certainly looked the part in a River Plate shirt from what I've seen, and... We all know the worst kept secret in football is that Haaland won't be at City for long. He's been flirting with Real Madrid for a while now. So Alvarez is probably the man that City fans should be looking at as the long-term successor to certain Sergio Aguero. Eight minutes, James. Much appreciated because that's probably about all I've seen. But you never know with these kind of South American stars. Many have come across in the Premier League. Some have hit the heights. Some have failed. But it does look promising. I know you shouldn't really rate a player on YouTube alone. But I mean, he scored, what, six goals in a River Plate game months ago so there's there's promise there certainly he might be the heir apparent before the new king has even been properly anointed but with that said Jamie that also means that a South American has arrived to replace Gabriel Jesus do you think that this could be considered a light for light swap or will the defending Premier League champions now evolve in attack yeah I think it is kind of similar in a way because Alvarez he seems like a player who's, who's quite versatile along the front line and we saw that with Jesus in terms of being able to play on the right or, or covering um, down the centre so Maybe in that sense, it is quite a like-for-like -like replacement. Um, I, th I think in terms of the player, obviously, you know, he does seem like quite an exciting young talent, um, only 22 years old, and he's, of course, being already capped for the national team of Argentina, who are very strong at the moment. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a similar case with, with Calvin Phillips, where, you know, he just I don't think he's really going to have a start in place in that team. And, and of course, there's no real guarantee that he's going to be able to come over to Europe and kind of uh, reproduce the same form he was in, in South America. So... Um, again, another interesting player to kind of watch out for this season. But um, yeah, I think I think really at the moment he's only going to be a squad player. And uh, I think the interesting thing for them is that he does cover, seem to cover all those positions along the front line, as I said. So uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to have a huge impact this season for City. Right, we've got our summer break out of the way, which means it's time for another long shot acker. Now, admittedly, it's going to be rather slim pickings, but there is a lot of football still around the world. So we've been tasked... We're digging out some odds. Hopefully, you've got something exciting for me both, which means, Jamie, this week, I shall start with you. Yeah, I've, got, I've gone for an interesting one. And you might, Dan, you might have to tell me whether I'm allowed this. I've gone for a transfer. Um, I'm going to go for Paolo Dybala to join Roma um, at 5-2. to two. Um, I, I think with, of course, there was lots of links with him um, going to Inter Milan, but with uh, Lukaku, of course, joining there. Um, Latoro Martinez already at the club. I think they've got those forwards, and of course, they're a side that aren't that don't seem to have a lot of money at the moment. So I don't think they'll be forking out more wages for, for Dybala. So, and I think he seems like a player who does seem set on staying in Italy. And of course, there has been lots of links to Roma. Jose Mourinho wanted to bring him in. Of course, you know, one of their only notable attackers at the moment is is uh, Tammy Abraham. So. I think Mourinho would, would probably like to bring in another forward as well. And obviously, as I mentioned, with, with Dybala wanting to stay in Italy, I think that this could be one that happens. So I've gone for a transfer at Paolo Dybala to Roma at 5-2. Uh, to two. I like it. It's so outside the box. Why not? It's still pre-season for us. So let's embrace it. Let's put that in the acca. James, which means what have you got for me? Have you got something traditional? Or have you got left field as well? 
Yeah, call me boring, but I've gone for the result of a football match. I'm going to uh, <laughs> take a trip across the pond to uh, Major League Soccer on Thursday night. It's Wayne Rooney's first game in charge of DC United. They host a Columbus Crew side in decent form. They haven't lost in six, and they've also beaten DC in three of their last four meetings. It's also worth noting that the hosts have the worst defensive record in Major League Soccer by quite some distance. So I think an away win and both teams to score double looks like a potentially good play here at 4-1. to one. Lovely stuff. I'm also going to go to the traditional routes. I'm going to pack up my passport and suitcase and go to Germany. Bundesliga 2, not the big guns just yet, but it's Paderborn versus Karlsruhe. So, in this one, although both teams haven't scored in each of Paderborn's last five league outings, and the same outcome has occurred in Karlsruhe's last seven, I'm always a believer that all runs have to come to an end at some point, which means I'm going to go for both teams to score and a home win for Paderborn at 5-2. to two. So that's all our long shot Acker picks for this weekend. Yes, it's a bit left field, quite a left field actually from Jamie's point of view, but that's what we like, something a little different and hopefully that one gets over the line and we start with a big winner this season. And of course, check out freebets.com for all the latest offers and enhanced odds from all the leading bookmakers. Right, let's go back to the Champions League now and look at the other runners and riders for 2023. And James, with it all changed in terms of PSG's manager, do you reckon Christophe Gautier can reach the French Giants to their own promised land? I still think they're way off, Dan. I just don't see a Champions League winning side in there. I don't think the fire really burns in Neymar anymore. I think they come up short in midfield against the biggest sides in Europe. And they have a frightening tendency to completely implode when the pressure's turned on. And I think that's a result of the sheer dominance they have in their domestic league. Getting themselves up for these big European nights is often an issue for them. Will they win Liga to cancel this year? Yep, but... They'll need a huge psychological shift if they're going to go all the way in Europe. Now, Jamie, they are second favourites at the time of recording at 11-2. to But does Gautier not inherit the same issues that did for Mauricio Pochettino? Those being a dressing room of too many egos and how to tame them. Yeah, this seems like quite an odd appointment, really. I mean, maybe it shows there are a lack of options at the moment because I think Zidane was probably the the only manager that I would have trusted with this squad. We, of course, saw what he did with that Real Madrid squad where he had so many big characters in the dressing room and was able to kind of manage that. But obviously, he's a manager that, again, doesn't seem to be, you know, willing to take on that job at the moment. But, you know, with with Gautier, I mean, it's a, he, he's a guy who finished fifth in Liga last season with Nice. So, you know, I, I don't think that's particularly impressive. And I just think, as, as you mentioned, I just think he's going to find the same problems. I just think that this is a team with too many egos, especially with, you know, you see the power that Mbappe has been given. I just don't think a club should ever give a player that sort of power. Um, so I, I, I think it's just, again, it's going to be a case of too many egos in that team. And, I just don't think they're going to be, have a, that, that, that real quality and, and maybe you know tactical uh, flexibility to be able to win that competition. I just think they're going to fall short. Now, James, in terms of Christophe Gautier, he did lead Lille to a league uh, title two seasons ago at the expense of PSG. So do you think he could be the man to finally make things click in the French capital and once again foil Man City? Well, as someone who takes great pleasure in watching PSG make a mess of things in the Champions League, I'm very much hoping we see that once again. It's also worth noting that Lionel Messi heads into the final year of his contract in the French capital this season. Will he have half an eye on a return to Barcelona next year? And with Kylian Mbappe's growing influence in all areas of the club, I don't think the ingredients here quite mix to create a harmonic Champions League winning outfit, I'm afraid. Now, Jamie, last summer, PSG had a quite... Incredible transfer window in terms of names. They spent a lot of money. They had a couple of free transfers. Some worked, some didn't. 
The focus is always going to be on the likes of Lionel Messi and Neymar, but this summer they've kind of purchased further down the totem pole at the moment. Vitinha mm. is the name which is at the top of the list. Wolves fans will know him from exploits of, what, two seasons ago now? But can mm. he offer the Paris-based outfit anything in their pursuit of the Champions League? Yeah, I mean, again, he looks like a, a pretty exciting young talent. But um, again, I, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to immediately come in and have that big impact as well. I think, you know, there's going to be competition for places in that forward line. And of course, maybe if he is used as a midfielder, um, you know, PSG have got lots of good options there. So again, I, th I don't think he's going to have that massive impact and, and, and really be that guy that's going to come in and change everything for them. I think, you know, that, that change of, of tack, of course, they've got Louis Campos in as their new uh, sporting director. And, of course, they do look like they're going for some interesting players. Of course, Milan Skriniar, another target for them, which I think would be a really good sign. And he's done fantastically well at Inter Milan and have been a big reason why they've been so successful over the last two or three years. Um, so some interesting targets, but I think with Vitinho, he's, he's not a player who's going to come in. And, I, I just don't see him coming in and immediately changing things. Of course, he had a good year at Porto last year, was was pretty good at Wolves. But I think, you know, at 22, I, I just don't think he's going to be that guy that's, that's going to come and have that big impact that everyone's uh, um, hoping that he might do. Right, let's move back to England now. And Liverpool are currently 6-1 to one third favourites to win the Champions League next season. And James, I guess we must take a moment as the Sanio Mane bet builder has now gone into retirement. Yeah, but now is the perfect time to introduce the new German segment of the show where we take a deep dive into Sadio Mane's every move. So he certainly won't be forgotten. <laughs> I also try to pitch an ITV2 spin-off um, to the Gemma Collins show where they follow her around and instead follow Sadio Mane around, but I was duly pointed to the exit door. Well... Don't let that sort of hamper you too much. Sadio Mane-based projects are available across the season. But Jamie, in all seriousness, how are Liverpool going to cope when it comes to the, the departure of the Senegalese forward? Mm. Something that we did actually hint in our previous episode. Yeah. I mean, look, it is definitely a big loss for them. I mean, Mane is a guy who just always seems to really step up in those big moments for Liverpool. Of course, I think we saw last season where we saw a bit of a drop-off from um, Mo Salah. Mane was the guy to step up. But I think what Liverpool have done really well is, is kind of their planning um, in terms of knowing they're going to lose Mane. Of course, he was a guy whose contract was nearly up. So I think they knew they were going to lose him and obviously probably had indications from the player that he was going to leave. So that's why they brought in Luis Diaz. And I'm, I'm really expecting Diaz to have a, a really impressive season for, for Liverpool. I just think he that second half of the season, he looked really good at times and just seems like a guy who's going to come in straight away and, and have that big impact. I think, obviously, the problem will be is, is whether he does have quite the same impact as Mane because Mane was just an unbelievable player for Liverpool. And as I mentioned, when Salah wasn't there, it was always Mane stepping up. He was a guy that always seemed to step up in the big occasions, the big moments of Liverpool. So, you know, whether Diaz can quite step up to that level will be will be quite interesting. But I think they've done so well here, Liverpool, in, in terms of their planning for losing Mane because they're very well equipped to have lost him. They've got in Diaz. And as I said, I think he's going to be a, a really big player for Liverpool next season. Of course, James, there is a theory of evolution on Merseyside and that comes in the shape of Darwin Nunez's arrival. So how can you see the Uruguay spearheading Liverpool's bid to conquer Europe for a seventh time? Well, it certainly represents a bit of a shift in how they're likely to play. He's a different kind of player to Bobby Firmino, whose Liverpool days might well be numbered somewhat if Diego Jota continues to thrive and if Darwin gets up and running quickly. But Overall, I actually think this could be the beginning of the end in terms of Liverpool's golden era in the Premier League. Sadio Mane, it's a huge loss for them. And although Luis Diaz 
has done well since he arrived from Porto. I don't have him down as a world-class player. And there will be doubts about most Salah after his dip at the back end last season. So Liverpool very much on the periphery for me when it comes to my thinking in the Champions League. Jamie, I guess the key here is that Jurgen Klopp is obviously going to have to pick up a squad that fell short at the final hurdle after such a momentous season. The question here, though, can the German achieve such a feat? Well, uh, this is kind of the thing where I look at Liverpool and Man City and think, look, they've been so dominant for so long. Um, and I just think that that in kind of this day and age where, you know, everything is, is so advanced in terms of sports science, sports psychology, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to maintain that against other teams who are going to kind of crop up. So, Especially with Liverpool, I have a lot more faith in Man City being able to maintain it just because they've continued to keep you know, evolving as a team. I think with Liverpool, they've not really been able to kind of evolve um, you know, as, as much as City have, certainly. And I think last season, you know, having, having gone for, on four different fronts in four different competitions, I think that that would have taken a lot out of them, both physically and mentally. So it'd be interesting to see how they do kind of recover from that. Um, and of course, you know, next season, there's going to be so many matches and especially with the World Cup, it's such a such a weird season next year. So I, I just don't think they're going to be able to go as strong in, in each competition as they did last season. Um, I'm also not too convinced by their squad depth either. I think that that might be a bit of an issue, especially in midfield. I look at their options and, you know, they've obviously got some some top mid, uh, midfielders there with the likes of Thiago and Naby Keita and, and Fabinho. But you know, when when you've got options to rotate, I just don't see what, you know, they don't seem to have them. So that might be an interesting factor in terms of City. They've got this amazing squad. Liverpool, I don't think their squad is, is, is nearly as strong. And uh, as James mentioned, I'm, I'm kind of with James on this one. I just don't think they'll be quite strong next year. And, and maybe this might be the start of the end for Liverpool. Um, but, you know, they've been amazing over the last couple of years. And and to keep that going for, for so long, I think it's going to be very difficult. And of course, we saw them have that drop off um, uh, that season where they finished fourth in the Premier League so yeah I, I, I kind of have a feeling we might see a, a similar season for them where, where they're not right near the top at the Premier League this season Right that leads us next to Bayern Munich and James this is where Sadio Mane has ended up after he switched from Anfield the question here is whether he can return the club back to the title of European powerhouses Well if Robert Lewandowski ends up leaving then you'd probably have to say that overall Bayern will be a weaker side than last year I don't think this is a sparklingly brilliant Munich side. There have been better ones over the past decade or so. Yes, they win the Bundesliga comfortably, but that's nothing to boast about at the moment. And I think against the big English sides, they'll come up short once again. Mane is a good signing, though. He'll score goals for fun. But will he transform that side? For me, probably not. Now, Jamie, they're currently 8-1-4 favourites. Sounds about right in terms of the odds at the moment. But are they in danger of falling into the trap of being too dominant back home and it actually does them little favours on the continent, such as how PSG had those kind of issues as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, James obviously made that good point about PSG, um, you know, being going so easy in the league, and then obviously it's, you know, then difficult for them to get up for the Champions League matches. Um, so that that could be an interesting point. I think as well with, with Bayern, again, I don't really fancy them because they've obviously got this young man, manager and Julian Nagelsmann. And as much as I think he's a good manager, I just don't think he's quite ready yet to to take a team far into Europe. Um, I think, you know, losing Lewandowski, as that looks inevitable, they're going to do. I think that that's such a big blow, as I'm sure we'll talk about in just a minute. I think Gnabry as well is probably a player who's going to end up leaving. Um, he doesn't look like he's going to sign a contract. So I think we'll probably see the departure of Serge Gnabry as well. So to lose those two big players, I think that that is massive. Regardless of Sadio Mane coming in, 
Um, and then, of course, we saw them eliminated by Villarreal last year. Uh, you know, a side obviously were by far and away not the favourites to kind of go far in that competition. But tactically, they were a lot better and they just got completely schooled by them in, in both legs. So, um, yeah, I don't I think with losing key players like Lewandowski and Gnabry, I don't see them going much better this year. So I, I don't particularly fancy buying this year to go far. Of course, James, the flip side to that argument is that Julian Nagelsmann will have the ability to rest and rotate key men if and when Bayern decide to pull clear from the rest of the Bundesliga pack. He will, yeah, but you can probably make that argument for half a dozen teams with serious Champions League aspirations. Man City and Liverpool will rotate no problem. European glory is always the priority for Real Madrid. The same will go for PSG again this year. So I don't think it's enough of a trump card to give Bayern an edge and I can't see them troubling the deep stages of the competition this year. Well, Jamie, if it is key men, they aren't going to likely include Robert Lewandowski. How big a dent is his departure going to be? Because they're going to be huge shoes to fill. I mean, 46 goals in, in 50 appearances last season is, is like unbelievable. And uh, they, there's zero chance they're going to be able to adequately, adequately replace that. Again, I mentioned Sadio Mane coming in and I'm sure he'll get lots of goals. And again, he's a player who I think has got fantastic quality. But um, I think that that will really hamper their, their chances in Europe losing a player like Lewandowski. I think for me, he is you know one of the three best strikers in Europe, if not the best striker Um so to lose him, I just don't think you're not going to be able to adequately replace that, as I said. Um, and, and that's going to really harm their chances of, of doing well in this competition. Right. Before we move on, I'd like a quick score bet from you both now. It doesn't matter where in the world it is. I just want that outcome spot on. So, James, I'll start with you this week. Well, it's time for Jamie to hand in his uh, Spurs membership card after saying Robert Lewandowski is the best striker in Europe. But uh, in terms of a correct score bet, I'm going to head for the women's Euros. I'm going to go for an England 5-0 win over Northern Ireland. The Lioness has been extremely impressive so far, especially as an attacking force. And with their opponents already out, I can't see them providing much in the way of resistance. So 5-0 England is 15-2. to That is a good shout. And there's a lot of logic behind that, especially when you look at the way that England and Northern Ireland have played in the last three matches. I think England have scored 15 goals and conceded none. So they are averaging 5-0. However, with qualification to the last eight already in the bank, Serena Vagman might think, do you know what, this might be an opportunity to rest a few key names because it is a dead rubber. So maybe goals won't be in abundance. Then again, she might think, I've got so much momentum behind me after that 8-0, why change things? So it's a sensible bet, but maybe just a little bit of caution at the same time. With that in mind, Jamie, what have you got for me? Yeah, I mean, look, it wouldn't be an odds-on podcast without me and James uh, going head-to-head in, in, in picking the same match. And uh, funnily enough, I've gone for the Women Euros on Friday and I'm going to go for the England-Northern Ireland match as well. Um, I'm going to go for a 4-0 win for England against Northern Ireland. Um, as you mentioned, they won 8-0 last time. Um, you know, Ireland, they are bottom of that group. So um, I, I think that's another interesting point. I don't think there'll be quite as many goals this time with, with qualification in the bag. So... I'm going to go for a 4-0 win for, for England Lionesses. Do you know what? I'll add my two pence in. For the reasons I've just given, I will offer up 3-0. So I'll go three, Jamie goes four, James goes five. Let's see who's right, if any, come next week. But yes, it's a focus fully on the England women as they play Northern Ireland's counterparts on Friday. And they are our correct score bets for this weekend. And check out freebets.com for the best insights and betting tips ahead of this weekend. Right, time for a few more runners and riders now. James, Real Madrid are currently 12-1 to to win the Champions League and defend their crown. They were an unlikely shout last time round. Will it be the same status this time? 
I'm really low to back them down. I don't rate them at all, even after that victory over Liverpool in the final a couple of months ago. It's an ageing side that I think have been kind of winging it for the last couple of years. I don't think Antonio Rudiger is that great a signing for them. He isn't likely to add much calm to that Madrid defence. That said, the betting man in me would say that 12-1 to for defending champions is a good price. and That could well appeal as an each-way bet, but to go all the way, probably not for me. Well, Jamie, I guess Real Madrid are the equivalent of Germany on the international stage in that you should never really write them off. Last season, heroic performance after heroic performance. Will Karim Benzema age like a fine wine even more this time? Um, I struggled to see him kind of replicating what he did last year because last year he was unbelievable and almost, you know, unplayable at times. And the way he carried that team to the final, I think without him, they had no chance of, of doing what they did. So he was amazing last year, but I don't think he'll quite kind of really step up the way he did. So that might be an issue for Real Madrid. I think that that was, as I said, such a big factor as why they went so far and, and, and won the competition. Um, but I think Real Madrid as a whole, they are starting to build a nice squad now. And I would maybe disagree with James in terms of, I, I do really like the look of Real Madrid this year. I mean, we know about the talent they've got in attack. And then, of course, you look at their midfield options. Now, I mean, you could argue with the six options they have, they could arguably be three of the best, you know, two of the best midfielders in Europe with with uh, three set, you know, with three of each of them. So, you know, you've got the likes of Casemiro, um, Tony Cruz and Modric starting. Then you've, of course, got Valverde, Camavinga and Tuashemeni coming in. So unbelievable options there. Um, and then I, 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 I personally like the signing of Rudiger as well. And, you know, already adding to the likes of Alaba and, and Militao, I think that, that is a really strong squad for next season. And you could argue, you know, they've got as much depth there as, as, as the likes of Manchester City. So I'm interested to see how Romanger get on. I don't think they'll go all the way this time, but uh, I think there's certainly going to be a side that, that will go deep into this competition for sure. And I think I've, I've said that with so many different teams this <laughs> this, uh, this, uh, um, this episode. that I've, I've got to say that one team's going to go far because I think I've been writing off quite a few teams. So uh, I think Romanger is probably one that I do see going far this time. Now, of course, Karim Benzema was the tormentor of Chelsea last season and they are 14-1 to to win the trophy outright in 2023. James, new owners now installed at the club. Will an outside bid for a third overall Champions League come too early at Stamford Bridge? Uh, I, I don't think they're a terrible bet at all. Like Man City, Chelsea could well have beaten Real Madrid at some point during the Champions League and they'll come into this season as an improved side with the signing of Raheem Sterling on the way. I can't see them troubling the top two in the Premier League domestically this season. But they tend to do well in cup competitions and I think that's where they'll get their success again this campaign. Could lack of a clinical top draw striker be the sticking point for them? I reckon so, but certainly a side that the favourites will be looking to avoid. Now, Jamie, they have ships on Romelu Lukaku this summer. Another thing that our award show Crystal Ball got correct last time around. How do you reckon Chelsea's attack deals with a European bid next time around? Well, I, th I think the big thing for them is that Thomas Tuchel, we always seems to kind of get it right in this competition. He certainly does a lot. Um, we saw him get to the final with Paris Saint-Germain, obviously won it with Chelsea. So he's a guy who's, who's had some real success in this competition. Um, and of course, he did well last year, was was pretty unfortunate to end up getting knocked out by Real Madrid last season. Um, I think the, the addition of Raheem Sterling, as I mentioned, I think that that's going to be a really, really good signing for them. I think he's someone who is very underrated, just because he's been in that Man City side with so many, you know, top players in that team, I think maybe he does get overlooked in kind of his actual impact on that team. And I think for City, that is a big loss for them. So, again, I'm interested to see how, how his loss affects City. But for Chelsea, I think they've got a really good sign in there. They needed some attacking options. Of course, as you mentioned, with Lukaku going, 
Um, but the, I think the big thing for, for Chelsea is that there's kind of a lack of that that star quality in terms of, you know, you look around those the Chelsea teams of old and they've got these standout players like Sir Drogba, uh, Nedin Hazard, or Frank Lampard. And with this Chelsea team, I just don't really see any players there that really genuinely stand out. And of course, they've lost a lot of players, lost a lot of key players. Rudiger going, I think Azpilicueta is going to go, obviously the captain. So some big losses as well for them. But I think ultimately, I think Tuchel, he just knows how to get it right in this competition. I don't think they're going to win it because I don't think they've got enough quality. But I see them as a team that will go pretty deep into this competition. Now let's flip back to Spain. And James, although Barcelona have a habit of not paying off outstanding transfer fees, they are set to sign Rafinha. So could his arrival bring down their current odds of 17-1? to uh, it might do, but I think any kind of movement will be nominal. I think it might go from 17 to 1 to 16 to 1, which puts it firmly in Alan Kirbishly territory as far as prices go. But yeah, for what it's worth, I'm a fan of Rafinha. I think he'll take to the Barcelona side quite well. But Xavi's team are still a few players short for me of really having a good two at this. Defensively, they look a bit suspect on the uh, top stage. And although they've got some supremely talented youngsters like Gavi and Pedri, they're perhaps not baked enough to go all the way on the big stage. So they're ones for the watch list, I think. Now, Jamie, there's no doubt that Barcelona had an excellent second half of last season after their disaster, which was the start. Now, they're nowhere near the Barcelona of, say, a decade ago, but it does look like Xavi is building something impressive at the Camp Nou. So what can he do next season? Yeah, I mean, I, I do like Barcelona a lot. And I think, as, as James mentioned, they've got lots of nice young players coming through. So that that's an interesting uh, interesting one. Um, I think if they can add Lewandowski, which does look like they inevitably will, I think that that will be a big boost for them. But there just seems to be, again, they just seem to be just probably short of, of having that real quality in terms of being able to go all the way and win that competition. I just don't think they're, they're kind of at that stage yet. Um, of course, I don't think they're a side that's going to be able to cope quite well with playing in La Liga and then, of course, Champions League. I think that that's something that might hinder them a bit. So, yeah, I, I don't think they have nearly enough to win this competition. But there will be a side that, that might be quite an interesting one. There's certainly, I, I really fancy them to kind of give it a much better go this year than they did last. Of course, you know, going out in the group stages last year, um, I think they'll, they'll at least get to the knockout stages this year because they are, a, they are, as you mentioned, building something pretty nice. But at the moment, they are well short of where they, uh, where they used to be. Well, of course, it wouldn't be an episode without crowbarring in some Tottenham chat. James, if Antonio Conte's pre-season training doesn't wipe out his squad before the group stage, is 25-1 to 1 odds worth at least a repeat of a final appearance of 2019? That, of course, being the each-way bet. Yeah, I really like the look at Tottenham, actually. I think they've got some seriously impressive business done over the summer to a point where I think they're the biggest threat to Man City and Liverpool in the Premier League. And if the draw is kind for them, they could quite easily get to the semis at least and anything is possible from there. They have a serial winner, Antonio Conte in charge, who, by the way, I think should be in the same conversation as Pep and Klopp as far as top-tier managers go. And I think this is going to be an incredibly exciting season for them. Then again, Jamie, I know you are ever the optimist and at those odds and the business that has been concluded already in the white half of North London, would you be bold enough to back them for outright success next May? Um, I'd, I'd really love to say I am, but I, I don't, I can't, you know, to write off so many teams this uh, this episode and then going back Spurs, I think would be a bit silly. I, I think the big thing is, though, obviously a lot of people talk about Antonio Conte's record in Europe. And yes, it is pretty poor. I think the furthest he got was the Europa League final with Inter Milan. Of course, they did lose that. Um, so his record in Europe is pretty poor. 
But I think he's a manager that will be looking at it and kind of wanting to really go well this year in Europe. I think he has to look at the Premier League and think that probably Man City and Liverpool might be too strong for Spurs at the moment. So this might be the competition that he does really want to focus on. And of course, he's got lots of league titles in the bank already. He's proved that. So the Champions League might be something that he wants to kind of set the record straight with in terms of going far into this competition. But... um, in terms of backing Spurs to go all the way, I think it's. Uh, I, I don't think I can back them just yet. But they've done some fantastic business. Obviously, Ibusuma, I think, is a brilliant proven signing. I think I have no doubt that he's going to come in and hit the ground. Richarlison obviously has some great depth. Longley is an interesting one. Of course, lots of people, you know, writing him off. But I think under Conte in the back three, that could be a really interesting signing in terms of someone who, who's got great ability on the ball. And, and, you know, maybe for different matches, he could be quite a useful asset for Spurs. Ivan Perisic, I think, is a really nice addition for Spurs. Of course, one of the top left wing backs in Europe last season. So that's a nice addition. So they've done. Spurs have done some great business. Um, and I've got to say, I'm excited for this year. But uh, I think in terms of the quality to, to go and win a Premier League title or a Champions League, I think we're probably just short of that at the moment. I appreciate your honesty, Jamie, because it would have been very easy to back Spurs and go, yep, why not? But I like the kind of more measured approach. And who knows, you might be surprised, come next May. OK, the final bit of business is the odds on threefold, where we all pick a leg each and combine it into an acca. Let's try and go for bets over one to two, but less than evens. And let's see if we can get another winner over the line. Right, I'll start this week. I'm going to go back to the Bundesliga 2. Hamburg, they have won their last five games. Now, obviously, the season has been reset, so everyone's on zero. But they have some form to take over into this new campaign. They are away at Eintracht Braunschweig. I'm going to pick Hamburg to win away from home at odds of 1-2. to two. So that's my pick. James, what have you got for me? Yeah, I'm coming along with you to the second tier in Germany. I'm going to go for Armenia Bielefeld. They start off an away trip to Sandhausen. And they only had four home wins all season in Bundesliga Spy. So I think the visitors are good news to bag themselves a win. As they look to return to the top flight at the first town basket. You can get that at 13-10. to 10. Brilliant shout. Jamie, are you joining us on the German flight or are you going elsewhere? No, I, th- I think I'm going to play it safe and I'm going to go for the uh, the women's Euros. I'm going to go for, a, obviously, a, the same group as England with Norway and Austria. Um, and I'm going to go for a Norway win um, and that's even. So, yeah, that's, that's my pick, Norway to beat uh, Austria. Right, that brings us to full time. So I just need to do the admin before we wrap up. As mentioned before, if any of these bets take your fancy, make sure to visit the free bets website And now, I just need to thank my duo of top guests. James, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that one. Pleasure. Cheers, Dan. And Jamie, thanks for your time and sharing your betting insights with me. All good. Thanks, Dan. Cheers, guys. And also to the listeners out there. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Odds On Podcast. And until next time, goodbye. (laughs) 